Hello listeners and welcome back to Cobb's Corner. I'm your host Morgan Cobbs. On today's episode we will be reviewing the 2002 classic Catch Me If You Can based on a true story. Barely 21 yet, Frank is skilled is a skilled forger who has passed as a doctor, lawyer, and pilot. FBI agent Carl becomes obsessed with tracking down the con man who only revels in the pursuit. The film is directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Jeff Nathanson, the Frank Abagnale Jr., and Stan Redding. Stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, and Christopher Walken. Bit of the storyline. A true story about Frank Abagnale Jr., who before his 19th birthday successfully conned millions of dollars worth of checks as a Pan Am pilot, doctor, and legal prosecutor. An FBI agent makes it his mission to put him behind bars. But Frank not only eludes capture, but revels in the pursuit. Let's go to Cops Corner. Before we uh, get into the sort of the highlight reel of, of the movie, uh, I'd like to—I forgot to mention that this movie is available to stream on on Max as as of the recording of this of this um, episode. Uh, you know, it's not called HBO Max anymore; it's called Max, and you can uh, stream Catch Me If You Can on Max. So, on with the uh, highlight reel. So, Frank Abagnale, you know, he's a, he, uh, at the start of the movie, he's either 16 or 17, and his father, played by Christopher Walken, uh, Frank Abagnale Sr., gets an award from, like, the Rotary Club, and, and he, and, and his father, during, during his speech, his father says, like, two mice fell in a bucket of cream one gave up and sank to the bottom the other swam so much that he churned the cream into butter and escaped or, or, or turned the butter into cream i don't <clears throat> yeah uh <laughs> so yeah i guess an, an analogy of like you know you could just give up in life given this circumstance or you could actually work your way out of your uh, circumstance you know and survive but but yeah, um, that's kind of the start, and then eventually his father gets caught up in like something illegal. Uh, his mother's from France originally. His, his parents met during during World War Two, I think, and so they met they met during the war, and they got married. She came she came back to the states, and after. After his father gets caught up in something, some something illegal, some like money, like laundering or what whatnot, his parents his parents divorce, and as the lawyers are at the house, they ask Frank Abagnale Jr., the main character played by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, which parent he'd like to stay with. He just runs away. You know, at at that point, he he just runs away from from home, and. You know, run, runs away from home and then develops these like fake identities. Yep, you know, de develops these like fake identities. He tries cashing a check, but then it bounces back, and then he ends up having to ends up having to go back home. His parents sell the house; they move to a new neighborhood. And then one day at school, at, at, at the new school, um, Frank shows up to the French class, and <laughs> he poses as the substitute teacher. <laughs> Okay, and you know, comes in, write, writes his name on the board. Say, my name is uh, Mr. Abignale, not Abig, not Abignal, not Abignale. Everybody, take your seats. Open your textbook. Open your French textbooks to page to chapter eight. And so, 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 so yeah, that that was that was the first of many like, you know, fake outs that that he they that he had. Um, you know, I I can I can think of another time where. Where um, he he was he was posing as one of, one of the other scenes he's posing as a high school student who wants to find out more about uh, Pan Am Airlines, 
And you know, af- after wanting to find out more about Pan Am Airlines, he interviews a pilot who gives him his expired um, Pan Am license. And then Frank starts to pose as he like makes a fake phone call to like the hotel and asks them to like and and asks them to like deliver his like flight uniform. So now Frank is posing as an as an airline pilot for a pan- for Pan Am for Pan Am Airlines and he's writing a bunch of fraudulent checks but what he's but what he does is I realize he would buy these small model airplanes and he would put them in the bathtub I think he'd like soak them in like hot water so that the logo would come off of the uh, back of the airplane and then just go onto the check you know honestly like the ingenuity of like Frank Abagnale like I understand that this movie's not only based on a true story, but it's also based off of a book. Like, I know Mr. Abagnale also, like, wrote an entire book about it. So, so yeah, but I mean, just, just, just the, just the in, in ingenuity, you know. <laughs> it's like, okay. So, yeah, then he flies around the world as a pilot for a bit. Um, and then... Eventually, he comes face to face with Carl Hanratty, played by Tom Hanks. Carl Hanratty is the FBI agent who has been assigned to uh, Mr. Abagnale's case, and you know he he almost catches him at I think it was at like a condo or no, at a at a motel in Atlanta, and. <laughs> Yeah, at, at at a motel in Atlanta, and then he like the little the two of them literally like meet face to face. Carl has him held at gunpoint, and then he's like, you know, here, take my wallet. Here, I have no gun. Here, take my wallet. I'm gonna head downstairs, and he leaves Carl with the wallet and makes Carl believe that he's not uh, Frank Abagnale, that he's someone else, that he's Secret Service. Which actually, a uh, nice bit bit uh, in the side sidebar. Nice little tit- tidbit of uh, of of yeah. Let me uh, learn to <clears throat> speak properly. Um, the Secret Service was initially created. It's my understanding that they were initially created. I think during the Civil War, during the American Civil War, to combat uh, check fraud. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Because because check fraud was like was rampant. Back then, because I think at that time America technically had two currencies. There was the Union currency and the Confederate uh, currency. So the the Secret Service was initially created to stop like check fraud and like money fraud and that sort of thing. So it's funny that you know Frank posed as a Secret Service agent uh, on like a stakeout. So nice little tidbit of, of uh, in, information. And I, well, and I, and I sort of like, I guess, nod to nod to the Secret Service, not to like the U.S. government and history. So, yeah, then, you know, he then Frank leaves and he even throughout his pursuits multiple times, like he tries to like reconnect with his father, you know, after after the after his parents divorced, uh, his father, you know, he and his father grew kind of distant. Uh, Frank 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 Abagnale Sr., you know, played by, by Christopher Walken. The two of them have lunch, and Frank tries to do all this great, all these tries to buy all these nice things for his father. Like after they've lost all this money, and he says in one scene, it's like I'm gonna get it all back. It's like I'm getting married, which I'll get to that in a moment. Like, I'm going to buy it all back. Everything that they took from us, I'm going to buy it all back. At one point, he tries to buy his father, like, a $60,000 car. To which his father responds, I came here on the train. I'm going home on the train. So. So, yeah, yeah. His his, uh, relationship with his father was a little little, uh, shaky at times. And eventually, he makes it to a hospital. Where he hospital in I can't remember if it's New Orleans, maybe maybe New Orleans or, or Atlanta or, or Georgia, and uh, and he um, meets a nurse played by uh, Amy Adams, uh, Brenda, yeah, Brent Brenda, 
played by Amy Adams. And after he poses as a doctor and applies for the job and like writes, makes up a fake resume and like gives it to gives it to the guy who like runs the hospital and he becomes a like resident uh, pediatrician for the night for like the nighttime shift. You know, he becomes like the resident pediatrician. And he's got it. So now he's got a team of nurses, and Brenda works on this team of nurses, and so the two of them get close. Um, they fall, the two of them get close during their time working together. They fall in love. Um, Frank watches a bunch of like doctor shows, a bunch of like shows about like surgery, and he starts just like quoting, <laughs> like literally just like quoting like these shows and. There's one time he actually does have to go to, like, the, the emergency room, and if he actually does have to, like, go go to the emergency room, and, because I guess there's a, there's a kid who, like, fell off his bike or whatever, and then he asks one of the other doctors, it's like, do you concur? <laughs> Which really, he, he, was, he was just quoting, like, a show that he had watched, like, the night before. It's like, you know, doctor, do you concur? So... <laughs> Which, again, he's probably, Frank Abagnale Jr., he was probably, like, the world's most famous, uh, bullshitter. Um, okay? Because, 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 you know, I mean, he, he was able to sound professional. Like, he was able to sound like he was smarter than he, than he actually was. Like, there's one point where he actually calls, um, Special Agent, uh, Hanratty, and I think on, like, Christmas Eve... And he tells, and he tells Carl how it's like people only believe what you tell them. So it's like you can make someone, you can make yourself sound smarter than you actually are. And you can make people believe that you're a person of high intellect, of high status, of high, you know, whatever. Almost kind of like uh, fake it till you make it, or you know, I guess. <laughs> Or I, or I, I guess there's, there's a saying like you can make your mouth say anything, you know. So, so yeah, there's that. Even when, even after Frank meets Brenda's parents, he, you know, lies and says that he studied law, that he went to, I think it was like Cornet, or I, I, I forget, I forget the name, the name of the school, but it was some like Ivy League school that Brenda's father also went to, and. His father like asks him all these like security questions about like uh, was that such was Professor So and So still working there when when you were there like what was his dog's name like so yeah and eventually Frank goes into the study with Brenda's father and you know they have a little chat and he actually I think tries to come clean and he actually says like in I can't remember like did, did he actually come clean but then no no I think I think that that was a scene where uh, Frank asks Brenda's father for a job to which to which he sort of dismisses that question and says no like what's the question you really wanted to ask me and he's like yeah, and then Brenda's father's like oh you're a romantic you see you and I are the same you see we are nothing without the women in our lives I proposed to Brenda's mother when I had after five dates that I had two nickels in my pocket or something <laughs> so it's like we are nothing without the women in our lives and so so yeah you know that there's, there's that scene where he I guess wins Brenda's hand hand in marriage you know he gets gets the father's uh, father's blessing but you know the the more that the more that Frank ran these scams, the more the more the closer and closer the feds got to him. And the night of their engagement party, uh, Frank ends up just leaving because the FBI actually shows actually show up to the party. He ends up running upstairs with Brenda and opens all these suitcases full of money. And he 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 says like you know we've all got our secrets. I'm not a pediatrician. I don't practice law. I'm not a Lutheran. And <laughs> it's like sometimes when I travel, I use the name Frank Taylor instead of Frank Abagnale. Uh, I'm not 28 years old. I'm. I can't remember. I can't remember. I think, I think he, he, was, he was 17 at the time. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm 17 years old 
and I ran away from home a year and a half ago, like, so, been on the run for a year and a half, um, take this money, meet me, I think it's either like the next day or in two days, uh, go to Miami International Airport, you know, you're gonna take a cab to Miami International Airport and tell them to drive through the night, and meet me in the international terminal, sure enough, that day arrives, Frank ends up at Miami International Airport, and the feds are there too, the, the feds are there too, and so is Brenda, so he ends up having to leave behind Brenda, and, you know, quick change into his, you know, pilot's outfit, and then pose as, pose as a pilot, and then he even, <laughs> probably like the fun, the funniest part of the movie, he actually, like, pays, like, pays a driver a hundred dollars to wear this, like, pilot's uniform and the FBI like they actually go over <laughs> to the driver's car <laughs> you know and just like hold the driver at gunpoint and he's like uh, I don't know some guy paid me a hundred dollars to dress up like this he's like well who are you waiting on and then he pulls out a pulls out a sign that says call Hanratty <laughs> that was Frank Abagnale's way of saying like again hey catch me if you can you know you're not you're not you're not gonna catch me yeah I'm out here Running scams. I'm still. I'm still on the run. Still on the run. So. So yeah, that was uh, yeah. But, and then and then the the plane the plane takes off and so. <laughs> that was a fun. Fun fun part of the movie. Um, the movie I realize does actually go back and forth between like. Frank Abagnale, the prisoner, and Frank Abagnale, the scammer. You know, running around the world. Forging, forging checks, you know, it sort of juxtaposes, like, goes back and forth, and then there's even a scene where, where Carl confronts Frank in, Fra in, in uh, France on, on Christmas Eve, and uh, I think in the same village that Frank's mom was, is, is from, and where they've never heard of Sarah Lee, <laughs> they, they, they had said, and in, in well, they, they had said that in one of one of the other one of the earlier scenes where uh, Frank's mom, who at that point was was remarried, she is uh, confronted by the FBI, and yep, and she finds out that her son has been forging like it's about like one point five million dollars at that point in like fraudulent checks. So, so Carl and Frank meet face to face in uh, France at the factory where the checks are printed and. And, uh, Carl says that he will have him extradited back to the United States. Carl's, oh, uh, Frank, Frank's, Frank's apprehended by French, by, 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 the, by the French police, police department, and detained in France. But Carl said, you know, look, they're gonna kill you. I will have you extradited back to the United States. And after... Well, after, I think in the opening scene, Frank, like, faking a cough, faking being sick, and you can see that some time has passed because, I guess, Leonardo DiCaprio, they, they must have filmed, I don't know if he wore a wig, or if they filmed these scenes, like, out of order, and they filmed, or, or they, if they, like, filmed all the scenes that takes, that take place with Frank Abagnale as a teenager, they filmed those scenes earlier, and then filmed all the other scenes with... You know Frank, Frank Abagnale as a prisoner, and like later on in his life, uh, later, and then just put them earlier in the movie, because DiCaprio's hair was longer. I think he grew a bit of a beard, so so we can see Frank Abagnale in that like solitary confinement in France, him faking be, being sick. Oh, well, we don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if he was faking or if he was being, if he was being real. You know, he's all coughing, but just won't stop coughing. And then they go to get him a doctor, and then he still, like, escapes. <laughs> um, but yeah, but eventually he does actually get detained and uh, brought back to the United States on the flight over. He, on the flight back over to, to the U.S., he's uh, sitting with, he's sitting with, um, sitting, sitting with, um, Agent, Agent, uh, Han, Hanratty, and Agent, and Agent Hanratty he even like asks him like how'd you how'd you pass the bar exam? To which Frank admits, I studied for the bar for a year 
and then took it and passed. Uh, Carl informs Frank that his father has passed away. His father apparently, Frank Abbey Sr., apparently had fallen down some steps at Grand Central trying to catch a train and snapped his neck. And this causes Frank to have a huge just like meltdown on, on board and he runs into the bathroom and kind of like unscrews the airplane uh, toilet and just crawls. And I guess es escapes through, I don't know, whatever, like sewage or whatever, <laughs> whatever, like the, 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 the piping system in an airplane, in, 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 in the airplane. And then when they land, you know, Carl Hand, you know, you know, special agent, uh, Hand, Hand Ratty, him and all the other FBI agents, they tell everybody, stay seated, stay seated, you know, FBI, stay, stay seated. So Frank's on the run, he runs over to his mom's house and sees that, sees that his mom has now had, now has, now has a, um, a daughter with her new, with her new husband. So, Frank's got a half-sister. And then, the police show up, the police show up, they apprehend, they apprehend, um, they apprehend Frank. I think at this point it's, it's, uh, Christmas Eve, they apprehend, they apprehend Frank, and he is sentenced to, I forget, I forget exactly what his, I, for, I forget what his exact, uh, prison sentence was, but he's sentenced to, sentenced to prison at, at, like, a federal prison in Atlanta, and he's recommended to remain in solitary confinement for the entirety of his sentence, you know, due to his violent, anti-government uh, tendencies and, you know, his complete disregard for, like, U.S. laws, essentially. And... So, yeah, he ends, up, he ends up getting locked up. And... Carl goes to visit him a few times in prison. And... Frank is actually able to analyze one of the checks that Carl uh, presents to him. And he's able to identify how it's a fraudulent check and th and this leads Carl to begin to kinda work something out with like the FBI and with the courts to maybe get Frank an early release or get him out on like parole or so there's one scene where he's in an interrogation room and Carl brings him like you know some some uh, fraud fraudulent checks and Frank is actually able to analyze them because, you know, he's like the form the foremost authority on like check fraud. Eventually they have him released from prison, but he is in the custody of the FBI, and for the remainder of his sentence he has to, you know, show up to work, eight fifteen, leaves at five o'clock, you get forty five minutes for lunch, and you know, yeah, he 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 begins to work in check fraud. And that becomes his new profession. You know, he has that that pretty much becomes his second chance at life is instead of running around, running rampant, just, you know, running all doing all these scams and making all this money illegally. He is now able to actually make some money legally working for the U.S. government. You know, he's an employee of the U.S. government and he's working check fraud, you know, work, working check fraud. He's doing he's doing uh you know, check fraud, analyzing the border and like the the weight of the paper, like you know. If so, so so at that point, we re they they realize that he, this man really has an eye for the for this sort of thing, and you know the 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 film ends the film ends with Carl and Frank sitting at a table in a busy office, I think at the FBI headquarters in Washington D.C. and the two of them going over these checks and like how it's a fraudulent check and why it's fraudulent and like how a lot of the numbers tend to fade after a while the sixes and nines go first and you know <laughs> so but the film ends with kind of a a message about how Carl and Frank are close friends to this day Frank has been married for 26 years and he is the foremost authority on check fraud 
the secure checks that we use today. Now, this movie came out in 2002, um, so, you know, quite some time has passed since the release of this film, but um, apparently the checks that we all use today, probably some of the checks that that I've used, that you listening have, have, have also used, are the secure checks that were put into circulation as a result of men like uh, Frank Abagnale Jr., where... You know where they're 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 uh, checks checks that are harder to harder to forge. They're harder to um, harder to um, have fraudulent uh, copies of. So so yeah, you know this is um, <clears throat> nice little uh, coming coming of age tale about you know growing up and taking life seriously. And taking responsibility for your own actions, uh, taking risks, but also understanding that every action that you take in life has consequences. That there are consequences to everything you do in life. You know, Frank Abagnale, he could have gone to jail for the rest of his life. For crimes that he committed when he was like 16, 17 years old, they decided not to try him as a minor. You know, they they, they decided not to. You know, despite his plea to be tried as a minor, they tried him as an adult, and he was initially convicted. So, so yeah, you know, if you're gonna, you know, whatever you're gonna do in life, you know, make sure you're. Staying, staying safe, staying legal, you know, um, this movie is based on a true story, and it just goes to show the potential that all of us have to achieve greatness if we apply ourselves, you know, like, if, if, if we apply ourselves, we all have the potential to achieve greatness, to achieve great things, um, but be willing to take the risks, be willing to take chances, and like I've said, like I said in my Fight Club review, have no fear. Have no fear, but don't be reckless. Understand that your actions have consequences. Really, I think that's that's I think that's like the moral of like the story is your actions have consequences. Overall, I'd give this movie like a solid 9 out of 10. Solid 9 out of 10, you know. Spielberg film, you know, Spielberg, one of my favorite, one of my favorite um, directors. You know, it's got Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, a lot of A-list, A-list stars. So, check this movie out. It's on HBO Max. On to the trivia. So one of the taglines, uh, the true story of a real fake. Let's see if there's any uh, like questions they have. True story of real fake. Frank didn't go to flight school. Frank didn't go to medical school. Frank didn't go to law school because Frank's still in high school. <laughs> Catch them this Christmas. Dieware story. I uh, the, the true story of an ingenious deception. I think. That's uh, that's German, but okay. Back to the main page. All right. Uh, so a bit of the um, trivia. Did you know? Okay. Uh, trivia. Cameo: Real life Frank Abagnale Jr., the French officer to arrest Frank on Christmas Eve, nineteen sixty-seven. There's a cameo from the real Frank Abagnale Jr. Alright. <laughs> Steven Spielberg was initially reluctant to approach Tom Hanks about taking the part of Carl Hanratty, assuming that he wouldn't be interested in playing a supporting part at this stage in his career. Hanks put him straight by saying that a good part was a good part no matter the size. 
that's the that's the kind of guy that Tom Hanks is. You know, he will accept the good part. You know, good part is a good part, no matter no matter the size, no matter if it's a supporting role, leading role. You know. the newly filmed clip, the newly filmed clip from To Tell the Truth that opens the movie was based on an actual episode in which Frank was a guest. In that episode, not a single panelist correctly guessed that he was the real Frank Abagnale Jr. The episode of To Tell the Truth can be viewed on YouTube. So definitely check out um, definitely check out To Tell the Truth, that, that, that episode of, of To Tell the Truth on YouTube. Um, it's funny, no, nobody correctly guessed um, Frank Abagnale Jr. I mean, I know, to tell the truth, I know that was a game show going back to, like, the 60s, like, the 50s and 60s. Uh, my grandmother remembers, uh, to, to tell the truth. I'm not sure if that game was rebooted or, like, brought back or not, but, but yeah, no, to, to tell the truth, and nobody correctly guessed Frank Abagnale Jr. Wow. I'm honestly not kind of shocked. I'm kind of not shocked. I mean, guy was a liar and a, you know, con man, so. The FBI officer who was chasing Frank and was the main inspiration of Carl Hanratty was really Joe Shea. Frank Abagnale Jr. used the pseudonym Sean O'Reilly in his book because Joe Shea was still in the FBI. He has since passed away. However, in an online video interview, Abagnale said that Hanks met Shea and patterned his performance on him so perfectly that watching Hanks is virtually the same as watching Shay. Wow, okay. I know a lot of times, like for the purpose of movies, they'll have one character who's technically like a fictional character, but is a stand-in for a real-life uh, person, or a stand-in for like multiple people, and, and that's just to maintain like pacing and maintain like the story of the movie. It's like, you know, you can't go into like exact detail, especially when doing a movie based off of a book. Oh, well, a movie that's both based off a book and inspired by true events. It's like, you can't include every minute detail. You're going to have to pick and choose which. And, you know, viewers are going to have to go and read the book. It's kind of like how I remember in my, in high school, I took a class called um, Art and Justice. And our teacher was actually nice enough to purchase each and every one of us uh, paperback copies of the autobiography of Malcolm X and unfortunately because it was only a half year course we didn't get to read the entire book we read maybe like two-thirds of it and then we watched the movie the the Spike the Spike Lee movie and in the movie there's a character called Brother Baines who Malcolm meets while he's incarcerated uh, Brother Baines is a fictional character he's not a real uh, person he's a stand-in Spike Lee had used him as as a stand-in for multiple uh, members of the Nation of Islam that Malcolm had encountered while he was incarcerated and after he got out. So, kind of similar with you have Carl Hanratty as like the movie equivalent to the real life Joe Shea. So, some FBI agents uh, did occasionally chase Abagnale, but he didn't have a relationship with any of them, and he certainly didn't call them every Christmas, as Abagnale himself points out with flawless logic. Why would I do that? I don't want the FBI to know where I was. True, true. Uh, cameo. Oh, Steven Spielberg's son sitting behind Leonardo DiCaprio during both parts of the airplane scene. Wow, okay. And again, usually, usually it's the directors who will cameo. The directors who will, like, kind of plop themselves in the movies. You know, plop, plop themselves in their movies either in cameos or going back to Spike Lee. Like, he really just put himself in a lot of his early works. Like, he put himself in She's Gotta Have It, um, School Days, Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X. Yeah, and, and, he, and he would just, like, plop himself in there as either, like, the main, as either the main character or as a, or as a supporting character. Uh, I'm not sure if Spielberg has done, the, has done that in any of his films, but Spielberg's son is in mind DiCaprio. Alright, uh, director trademark. Uh, the score was by John Williams. John Williams has scored a lot of uh, Spielberg movies. He scored really just a ton of movies in general. You know, John Williams, that man. He scored a lot of movies. I know um, Ludwig Göransson has also 
scored a lot of he's scored a lot of more more recent movies, but um, a lot of older movies are scored by John Williams. At the beginning of the film, Carl shines a flashlight on the captured Frank Abagnale Jr.'s face. Oh, okay. I guess I guess I guess that's a director trademark. I'd have to go back and watch some of other some of Spielberg's other uh, movies, but okay. Yeah, at the beginning of the film. Yeah, Carl shines a flashlight on the captured Abagnale Jr.'s face. I guess that is a director trademark, a trademark of uh, Spielberg. Conversation between Tom Hanks and Amy Adams in the bedroom at the engagement party. Okay. Another, another uh, trademark. So yeah, that's that's a bit of the it's a bit of the trivia. On to On to some of the Well, here one of the goofs. While Frank and Carl are flying back to the U.S., Frank looks out the window and tells Carl that they are over Fiorello LaGuardia Airport and Runway 44. All runway ends are painted slash labeled based on the compass direction or bearing or bearing it or bearing it is facing or heading. A due north runway is 36, meaning 360 degrees and the opposite end marked 18 for 180 degrees. Runway numbers indicate, but runway numbers include 1 to 34. No run, run to th 1 to 36. No runway 44 exists. Wow. <laughs> so, even after, it's like even after Abingdale's been caught, and he's, this man is still lying, and, <laughs> and just being dis deceitful. It's like, Alright, so, got a quote, Frank Abagnale Sr., two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he churned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. The question is, which mouse will you be? You know, which mouse will you be, guys? You're going to be the mouse that gives up and drowns or are you going to be the mouse who refuses to give up and swims so swims and struggles so hard that eventually you're going to churn that cream into butter and crawl out during the first 30 seconds of the credits we hear the FBI typewriters I kind of noticed that kind of alternate versions in the French language version of the film Frank teaches his high school Spanish class instead of French. Okay. Alright. Let's see. So Well I guess I, I, I guess it would it would make French it would make oh, yeah. English. Um <laughs> it would make uh sense because like it, it would it would make sense because of the um the fact that it's a French language class French French language version of the movie and like if you're already in France, everybody knows French, so they're probably not learning French. They're probably learning for them a foreign language would be Spanish, maybe English, no. So Italian. Yeah, it's a nice little uh, bit of not continuity, but like awareness, sort of knowing your knowing your audience. Connections edited from To Tell the Truth, 1969. Right, there's the episode of To Tell the Truth. And, uh, yep, um, the opening scene shows Frank Abigail Jr. as the subject of To Tell the Truth. Uh, this movie, I guess, was featured in First, uh, HBO First Look, Catch Me If You Can. Um, you know, it's a TV, well, it was an episode of HBO First Look back in 2002, probably a promo for the movie. Uh, Late Show with David Letterman, episode dated uh, December 19th, 2002, clip shown as Tom Hanks promoted the film. The 60th Annual Glo Golden Globe Awards, TV special in 2003, 9th Annual Screen Actors Guild Awards, SAG Awards, and 75th uh, Oscars, which was nominated for two Oscars. I'll actually talk about that a bit now.
alright. Details. Alright, so. Storyline. Movie was nominated for two Oscars, 16 wins and 46 nom total nominations. Uh, 2003 uh, nominee uh, Christopher Walken was nominated for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, and uh, John Williams was nominated for the Oscar for Best Music and Original Score. Again, nominated, uh, did not win. At the BAFTA Awards, uh, Jeff Nathanson won won the won the award for Best Screenplay, Best 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 Adapted Screenplay at the 2003 BAFTA Awards. Christopher Walken won Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role. And my computer is acting up. Um, yep, uh, John Williams did win the BAFTA, the BAFTA, well, he was nominated for a BAFTA, the Anthony Asquith uh, Award for Film Music, nominated, did not win, Mary Zafres, uh, nominated for Best Costume Design, Grammys, uh, 2004, John Williams was nominated for Best Score Soundtrack Album for a Motion Picture, Television, or Other Visual Media, British Animation Awards, the film won Best Film slash TV Graphics for the main title at the BAA's British Animation Awards. Ottawa International Animation Festival. Uh, Oliver Kunzel Kun and Florence Degas. They won Best Station Program Identification slash uh, Title Sequence at the Ottawa International Animation Festival. Oh, probably like for like the, the opening uh, opening credits. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix Film Credit Film Critics Society Awards, uh, 2003. John Williams was nominated for Best Original Score, and the film won Best Use of Previously Published or Recorded Music. Critics Choice Awards. The film won Best Picture in 2003. Steven Spielberg won Best Director. And John Williams won Best Composer. And there's a ton more that I'm not going to get into. Alright. So, yeah, that's that's a lot of the awards. You know, me personally, I really don't pay that much attention to the Oscars and to the award recognitions. Because, really, it's, it's a lot of the movies that maybe just get nominated for, like, Oscars. They get nominated for, like, the big ones, Oscars, the Tonys, what have you. They get nominated, but then they don't win those, you know, and a lot of those films, they just get overlooked, but they end up winning, like, the lower level, like, you know, film festivals and stuff like that, so. One user review, I haven't read the book just yet, I definitely will now. This was an entertaining and fun piece of film making from, from the ever-reliable Steven Spielberg. It is a bit of a depart from his usual full-blown and hugely epic pictures, yet this does not detact, detract at all from his fascinating story of Frank Abagnale Jr. I was interested in this man before I'd seen the movie, and it only served to increase my interest. Although it is important to remember, as with any such film, that this is only inspired by a true story and not told word for word from one, the plot is fascinating and keeps you laughing, crying, and wondering until the end. Frank Abagnale Jr. is an astounding and interesting character. The real-life Abagnale originally said that he did not believe DiCaprio to be suave enough to play the role, but he certainly does pull it off. DiCaprio's acting is superb and totally believable as a man who could lie to, deceive, and con everyone he met without once losing any of his charisma or charm. Hanks is also excellent. He plays the role of the obsessed FBI agent well, and also with a likable quality. The interaction between these two characters was great. It was interesting to see a, a budding relationship slowly build between two characters who were actually positioned against one another. I love the look of 
I loved the look of the film. It was a refreshing blast to see the 60s portrayed in such a vivid and colorful way. The whole setting and atmosphere of the film gave it a wonderful and almost, I hesitate to use this word, magical sense. This tone appealed to me much more than a darker tone might have. However, the film is rife with moral ambiguity. As much fun as it as it is to watch DiCaprio jumping from one plane and identity to the next, forging checks and spending inordinate amounts of money at, at a whim, the film never really focuses on the morally bankrupt side of the story. The portion of the film devoted to this at the end still seems to skim over the fact that the, this man has stolen millions of dollars. It ends on a high note for Frank Abagnale Jr. never fully spelling out the wrongs he committed. Still, this would probably bring the whole film down, and sometimes it's fun just to enjoy a bit of escapism without being told off for desiring such things. I mean, it's hard to be totally strict and upright. You have to love it when DiCaprio's character swindles Jennifer Gardner's prostitute for $400. Overall, this is a fun film and really enjoyable, not as much as an epic masterpiece as some of Spielberg's other movies, but still a great film. This review was, was, this review was made on March 30th, 2005. Overall, 8 out of 10 stars. Personally, I'd give this movie a 9 out of 10. And interesting point about how there is no real, like, you know, it's really just like the moral ambiguity... You know, I mean, obviously, I'm sure, well, but I'm, I'm sure to those of you, you know, watching, to those of you watching this movie, to those of you listening, you should know, okay, and if you don't know, now you know, forging checks is wrong, scams are wrong, deception is wrong, alright, but Spielberg, he just did it, and he just, I don't know, he just directed this movie in such a great way that... Yeah, such, such a great way that, um, you know, you, you get to see, like, both sides of the story. And, yeah, the relationship between Hanratty and Abagnale. Yeah, I mean, this is just overall a great film. Uh, the movie was released on December 25th, 2002, on Christmas, here in the United States. Uh, countries of origin, United States, Canada. Its initial release languages were English and French. Uh, filming locations, Alcatraz Prison, Alcatraz Island, San Francisco Bay, California, USA. Okay, so I've been to San Francisco. I have not been to Alcatraz, but I'm going to Alcatraz now. Because <laughs> now I know that that was a filming location um, for Catch Me If You Can. I've probably been to some of the filming locations, being that I've been to San Francisco, though I haven't been there in a while. I've been in and around like the San Francisco Bay Area. So, probably been to one of the filming locations, I'm sure. Production companies, DreamWorks Pictures, Kemp Company, Splendid Pictures. On to the box office. The movie had an estimated uh, budget of $52 million. Opening weekend, it made it made about, 30, about $30 million. It's uh, opening weekend, so it did not surpass its operating budget opening weekend. Um, I mean, then again, that was the holiday weekend. So, It's gross U.S. and Canada. Within the U.S. and Canada, its gross um, box office income was 164 million. So, I mean, that's like what, like three times. That's like pretty sure that that's over over three times its operated budget. And worldwide, it made 352 million dollars. So, worth it. Uh, runtime's two hours and twenty-one minutes. So when you do watch this movie, yep. Yeah, so when you do wa watch this movie, if you haven't already, um, you know, make sure you do it at at a time when you have like a gap in your schedule. Do it on a Saturday, or you know, do it on a Saturday or on Friday night. You know. Lastly, I will briefly touch on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, so the critics actually have given this movie a 96%. 96% certified fresh. Audience score is only 89%. You know, I'm probably going to side with the audience on this one because, yeah, I, I think it, I still think it was it was a great movie. Um, you know, it's, it's a movie based on based on a true story and all these movies. Like, again, you're not, none of these movies are told, like, 
word for word. You know, they're inspired by true events. A lot of them are based off of novels. So this movie's based off of a based off a memoir. You know, so whether if you lean towards the eighty-nine percent or the ninety-six percent, I think we can all agree that this movie is a great film. Some of Spielberg's best work. Um, you know, kind of a departure from his usual style of directing. But he's a director with range. Critics' consensus, with help from a strong performance by Leonardo DiCaprio as real-life, wonderkind con artist Frank Abagnale, Steven Spielberg crafts a film that's stylish, breezily entertaining, and surprisingly sweet. I fully, completely agree. I forgot to mention, where to watch, you could rent this movie on uh, Vudu, Amazon Prime, Apple TV. You can, rent them, you can rent it there, or if you have a Mac subscription, you can watch it on Max. That is all I've got f for uh, this review of Catch Me If You Can. Uh, tune in next week when I will be reviewing The Count of Monte Cristo. Now, guys, I realize that a lot of the movies on this list... <laughs> are based off of books. If you can, please read the book before you listen to my review. Don't do what I do. Okay, now for, for the purpose of these reviews, you know, I review the movies. A lot of the, a lot, a lot of these books I have not read yet. Um, the Count of Monte Cristo, I know, is a book as well as a 2002 movie. So I'll be reviewing the movie uh, next week. So stay tuned for that. If you listened all the way to the end of this of this episode i greatly appreciate it be sure to give us a like comment uh, subscribe to the youtube channel and and turn on your post notifications on youtube and on all uh, listening platforms because i drop a new episode every friday morning at 10 a.m eastern standard time and you definitely don't want to miss out give us a five-star review on all listening platforms and as always i hope you guys enjoyed your stay here at cobb's corner I will talk to all of you in the next episode. Peace.